Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, welcome to week four of our series, Foolproofing Your Life. And we've been learning so many things from the book of Proverbs, and it's just challenged us in so many ways. In the first week, we talked about having a humble heart and a teachable spirit, a teachable attitude. And we reflected on what our greatest desire is. If Solomon's greatest desire was to have wisdom, we started to reflect on what our actual greatest desire is. In week two, we talked about our words are free, but how we use them may actually cost us. And so hopefully over the last couple of weeks, you've been able to evaluate your words and evaluate the impact that they have. And then last week, we talked about living with vision and purpose and understanding that you were anointed to accomplish your assignment. It was such a challenging week, and I hope that you are able to, to start to do that. And, and we'll tag on a little bit to that idea of vision and direction in our life this week. But today, I wanna talk with you as we look at the wisdom from the book of Proverbs about how we deal with how we're impacted by comparison versus contentment. Comparison versus contentment. Now, for some of us, we've, we've been impacted by comparison and, and we almost try to use comparison to make us be a little bit better and, and to like increase and, and get better help in our lives. But it's, it's a slippery slope for us. Like for me, I struggle with this because like every time I watch a 007 movie and Daniel Craig takes his shirt off, I'm like, I need to go do some sit-ups. I'll be right back. I'm leaving the movie theater. I don't understand. And so that comparison, it motivates me to do better. Uh, but every time I see a 007 movie, I'm like, how? I don't understand. But for some of you, comparison affects you a lot more. It's not just a slippery slope, but it's a slope that's been greased with oil and you feel like you just shot to the bottom of that and you you just look around and feel surrounded by comparison. Everything in your life is marked by what could have been, what should have been, how life isn't what you thought it would be, how your sister has things so much easier than you and and it just feels like your life is just marked with going, I don't have enough, but they do. And so it's this challenging place for us. Now contentment Contentment, on the other hand, seems to be this elusive state of being that's reserved for like super Christians or really, really rich people that go on vacation every week. And it's like, did you even work any days to go on another trip? How did how did that happen? But contentment seems to be this elusive state of being. And I found this definition a while back of contentment. And it was so good and it just really resonated with me. And it says this contentment is a mental or emotional state of satisfaction that may be drawn upon from being at ease in one situation, body and mind. But this was the part of the, de- the definition that really got me. It's the state of having accepted one situation and finding happiness through it. 
The first time I read that, th- those words haunted me. Accepting one situation. Well, for me, that kind of feels like just giving up. What do you mean just accepting a situation? And then finding happiness in a season of confusion and pain and, and chaos. Well, that makes about as much sense as hitting myself in the head with a brick. Like, what? But as I started to study the scriptures, as I started to really dig into what it means to be content, to live with contentment, the definition kind of lined up and it lined up with a lot of what the Bible says. But how do we do that? How do we live with contentment when the world around us demands that we compare, that we we look around and go, I don't have that and I need this? How do we find contentment in seasons that are challenging and overwhelming and heartbreaking? Where do we find contentment there? And how do we defeat this mentality and almost this spirit of comparison in our lives? And so we're going to look at doing that and we're going to turn to a chapter of the Bible that's going to be very interesting for you guys. And it's interesting for me because I'm going to have to kind of pull back the curtain and share something with you that honestly, no one in my entire life knew. Share something with you that I had to like reveal this to my family this week because they had no idea either. Because today we're gonna be looking at the chapter of the Bible that I have read more than any other chapter in the entire Bible by far. And it's Proverbs chapter five. And some of you are like, big deal, Danny. You read a chapter of Bible. A million times. What, what, what is the big deal about this? Well, as we start to read this chapter, you'll start to understand like that. That's a weird chapter to like wrap your like, why would you read that so many times? Just to give you a little clue of what it's going to lead to. The title of the chapter is Avoiding Immoral Women. That's the chapter of the Bible that I have read more than any other. And I I actually stumbled across this chapter when I was around 12 years old. And the little immature boy inside of me freaked out as the Bible started to talk about some things that I couldn't believe the Bible would actually say out loud. It was this this eye-opening moment for me. Because I don't know about you, but I I grew up in church. and, And so for me, when I was growing up, everything was a sin. Like... Those of you who grew up in church, you may understand this phrase, like we were avoiding even the appearance of evil. Like the appearance of evil was just as evil as the sin itself. And it was just overwhelming and it felt like too much. Like you guys got to go to bed dreaming about baseball and being gymnasts and riding bikes and what you're going to do the next day at the water park. I went to bed trying to rack my brain, remembering if I sinned somewhere, if I had made a mistake somewhere, and I needed to make sure that I prayed and asked for forgiveness just in case I happened to die in the middle of the night and I wouldn't be let into heaven because I didn't ask for forgiveness for that. That was just this broken mentality. Now, thank God, my family, we, we began to learn years into it that that's not God. Like that's, that's not his personality. He's not just waiting to strike you down with a lightning bolt every time you did something wrong. Like we, we finally were able to relieve ourselves of that and begin to really lean into a relationship with him. But 
as a child, my parents knew no different. That's what they were told. And so that's what we experienced. And so here I am struggling with this idea of, of God and, and doing everything right. And I come across Proverbs chapter five, where it starts talking about all these things. And this chapter began to impact me in ways that I never really anticipated. Solomon is sharing this wisdom with his son about avoiding promiscuous women and avoiding breaking the marriage covenant and sleeping with someone else. But it was so much more than just cheating. It was about the path that it led you down. And what I began to realize, obviously not as a 12-year-old, but as I got older, what I realized is that comparison and contentment can't live in the same heart. That comparison and contentment, they cannot live in the same heart. That there, there are these two opposing forces that when one is there, the other one can't coexist. And it's this powerful truth that we lean into and begin to realize how and why we struggle with contentment. So let's jump into this infamous Proverbs chapter five, starting in verse one. It says, my son, Pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. First thing that I want you to understand today is that contentment is not a feeling. It's a focus. Contentment is not a feeling. It's a focus. And as I got older, I began to realize that this passage wasn't necessarily just about avoiding an immoral woman. This passage was about anything and anyone who would try to draw me, try to whisper to me, try to pull me away from the center of God's will. It's just looking at this passage of scripture, it was anything that was pulling me from my, my purpose. What was, what is that behavior? Think about it in your life. What is that behavior? What is that mindset? What is that habit? What is that action that tries to seduce you to trust God less? What is that area for you? What or who is that immoral woman in your life that's whispering to you, did God really say that was wrong? That's whispering to you, hey, if you, if you just came with me down this path, you wouldn't be struggling with that. Hey, if you, if you would trust me to handle that, you wouldn't have that same struggle, that same fear, that same issue. What is that thing in your life that's whispering to you and trying to seduce you into trusting God less? That feeling that is just overwhelming you. And look at this truth. Comparison validates your feelings, but it blinds you from true perspective. Comparison will whisper to you and say, your feelings are valid. Your feelings are the only thing that matters. 
But unfortunately, when we get into that mindset of comparison, our perspective of what's really going on is extremely limited. Jesus said it this way in his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. In verse 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This is key here, verse 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You see, Jesus is using the illustration of money in this example, but it's so much more than just money. Jesus is saying, your eyes provide light for your body. Your eyes, your focus provides light for your body. But, but look what he said. He, there's this little line that is in there that just jumped off the page to me. If the light you think you have is actually darkness... If the light, if this feeling, if this focus you have is actually darkness in disguise, ooh, that's a really dangerous darkness. In other words, there are focuses and feelings in our life that comparison will present as truth, and we will grab a hold of those things, and Jesus goes, that's a dangerous place to be because you think you are seeing light, but it's really darkness in disguise. Contentment is not a feeling, it's a focus. And there are times where our feelings will lie to us and will convince us that it's the truth. Like, like have you ever been in a conversation with a friend and it's like a couple and and the, your, your girlfriend's like, my husband's driving me crazy and we got in a fight. And, and well, what happened? Well, I told him and he said, and then I did, and he did this. And, I, and, and the whole time you're going, how do I tell my friend that she was the one that's wrong? But she's fully convinced that she was right in this moment, right? Have, have you ever had that situation? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. And usually we chicken out in those conversations. You're like, ah, I hate that happened. Instead of being like, boo-boo, you, you were wrong in this situation. Jesus makes it clear that you can't serve two masters. You can't feed comparison. You can't feed your feelings. And then hope and want contentment in your life. They are opposed to one another. You will love one and despise the other. You can't be driven by comparison and feelings and hope to find contentment because contentment is not a feeling, it's a focus. So, so what do we focus on? And it brings us to the famous Philippians 4, 8, where Paul is talking about the things that we need to lock our eyes on, that we need to focus on and I think this is a passage of scripture that we're so familiar with that we just hear it and we're like, yeah, 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 I got it. But I think we underestimate the impact that it can actually have. Paul says in verse eight, fix your thoughts on 
what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts on these. Fix your focus on these things. And the challenge that I would give you is take whatever the greatest challenge that you're going through right now. What is the greatest challenge, the greatest obstacle? And filter it through Philippians 4, 8. Take that challenging situation and go, hey, what about this is true? What about this can I find honor in? What about this is pure? Like if we boil down all the emotions, what's what's the pure, like actual thing that's happening here? What is right? What is lovely? What about this is admirable? What? Like you want to take my biggest problem and see what's admirable about it? Yeah. This is what Paul is saying focus in. What about it is excellent? And most importantly, and it leads us to our next truth, where can you praise God? Where can you praise God? He says, excellent and worthy of praise. Where can you praise God in your greatest challenge? That's how we focus in. That's how we lock in. That's how we find contentment that isn't based on a feeling, but it's based on our focus. Now you're about to understand as we get into this chapter of of chapter five, why this is a really weird one and why a 12 year old little Danny stopped at this chapter, verse 15. It says, drink water from your own well, share your love with only your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the street having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourself. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. And may you always be captivated by her love. Imagine little 12-year-old Danny reading this verse in the scripture going, Am I supposed to be reading this? It's the Bible. What's going on? If everything is a sin, this this is confusing. This is talking about body parts. Second thing that I want you to see is contentment is not about achieving. It's about gratitude. Contentment is not about achieving. It's about gratitude. I want to peel back the curtain for you and and be maybe a little more transparent with you than you're ready for. But the reason why Lauren is the only woman that I've ever slept with is because of this passage of scripture right here. It's because of this. It's, It's not because some youth pastor someday told me, oh, having sex before you're married is a sin. It wasn't because I was worried I, I could get a disease or I could get someone pregnant. The reason why I came into our marriage, saving that part of my intimacy for my wife alone is because of this passage. It was because I had this picture in my mind of what it meant to be captivated by my future wife's love. It was this picture in my mind that, that the intimacy with my future wife was so valuable that it was going to be this fountain of blessing in my life. It was this picture that I held on to. So why would I risk and why would I waste giving that away 
to someone in the streets, as Solomon say, or somebody in the sheets. You know what I mean? Was I perfect? No. Do I still have regrets? Yeah. But I arrived on my marriage day with this piece intact to be able to give that because there was a picture of my future that I held onto, that in those moments of temptation, in those moments of feeling overwhelmed, those moments where I wanted to give away and do things that I knew that I shouldn't do, I was able to hold onto this picture that Solomon painted for me. This idea that, that this relationship would be a fountain of blessing in my life, to be captivated by my wife's love. And this is what I need you to see. Why, why is this so important, Danny? I don't care about your sex life. That's, that's fine, fair. But this is what I need you to see. When you have a destination driven by gratitude, you can be content even when it doesn't feel like you're making progress. When you have a destination that's grounded and driven and rooted in gratitude, you can find contentment even in those seasons of waiting, even in those seasons of not knowing what's ahead, even in those seasons of pain and confusion, you can hold on to this picture of your future and you can hold on to what you believe God wants to do with your future so much so that you're grateful for it before it even happens. I was so grateful for the gift of a loving relationship with my wife. I was so grateful for the gift that this would be something that she and I would only share. I was so grateful for that, that I was thankful in the years and years that I had to wait in order to find her. It wasn't driven by guilt, it was driven by gratitude. And there's things in your future that you need to begin to lock your eyes on and say, God, in the future, I believe you're going to do this. And I'm thanking you in advance for it. That gratitude will allow you to be content, even when it doesn't feel like you're achieving things, even when it doesn't feel like you're moving forward. You're grateful for it. And it leads to this deeper place. And at the end of the day, even in seasons of pain and seasons of confusion, we all have something to be grateful for. And his name is Jesus. If you go into a season and you're like, Danny, I don't have anything to be grateful for. But there's still one thing. A loving Savior that sacrificed everything for you and for your future. And for you to have purpose and meaning and have life eternal with him, that, that's something. If that's all you have to be grateful for in this season, that's still a huge thing. Solomon talks about this in one of his more depressing books of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, it says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement springs from one's envy of another. This too is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. But this is, this is the key right here. Don't miss this. Verse six. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Guys, grab a hold of this. Gratefulness is the gateway to contentment. 
Gratefulness is the gateway to contentment. There are seasons in our life where we can't be satisfied with one handful of tranquility, one handful of God's peace and God's grace and God's love. We can't be satisfied with that because we desperately want both hands to be filled. Because comparison says, well, if one is good, then two is better. And we will risk the one hand full of tranquility and peace and hope and meaning and purpose. We'll risk that so we can grind our teeth and work harder and work longer and take control and have both hands full and go, look, I have both hands full. But what did it cost you to have both? What did it cost you? Contentment is looking at that one hand filled with the blessings that God has given you. Is it as much as so-and-so? No, but it doesn't matter. It's what you have. And we would risk that one hand full of tranquility to grind our teeth and gut it out and work even harder just so we can look and go, see what I have? I have two hands full but we lost our marriage. We lost the relationship with our kids. We lost the relationship with our family and our friends and we're lonely and we're exhausted and we're broken, but we got two hands full. And Solomon goes, that's foolishness. It's chasing after the wind. It's trying to catch the wind in your hands. You can't do, it's just a waste of time. One handful of God's blessing is not enough. We need more regardless of what it costs us to get it. And listen, I, I struggle with this too. This is not a judgment. I struggle with this too. When, when I come into a week where the workload is a lot lesser, I look around like a weirdo and I'm like, what's wrong? What did I do wrong? I need to fill this time. Why do I have an extra couple hours here off? I should be doing something. And God's like, bro, chill out. Comparison is driven by toil and achievement. But the reality is contentment is trusting that God is at work and giving yourself permission to rest. Giving yourself permission to rest. For many of you, you don't know how to stop. You don't know how to press pause. You're so driven, so desperate, to do something with your life, that comparison drives you to work even harder, to achieve, to toil, to work, and you never stop. Your inability stems from this feeling that everything depends on me. If I don't work, then who is? If I don't solve all the problems, no one will ever figure out anything on their own. What would they do without me? The pressure is on you, but the power comes when you understand and trust that God is at work even when you're not. And it doesn't mean you're saying, hey God, I'll trust you with this one thing while I go do these other three. No, it means God, I trust you enough that while I'm resting, I believe that you're still at work. But many of you who are like me, 
it's hard to get into that because we feel like the pressure and the weight is on us. But the ultimate measure of our faith is the ability to rest and trust God to do the rest. To be grateful for what we have and not feel this pressure to toil and drive and achieve. To lean into what he's already given us and be grateful for it. As we wrap up today, I just want to give you one last section of chapter 5 that's so good and so challenging. Verse 21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. And he will die for a lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. The third thing that I want you to see is contentment is not a desire issue. It's a dependence issue. Contentment is not a desire issue. It's a, con- it, it's a dependence issue. Many of us struggle with comparison because we've misplaced our dependence. We're asking other people, other places, other things to fulfill areas within us that it's impossible for them to fulfill. We're asking them to hold and carry things and and solve emotions and, and fill gaps within our lives that they just don't have the ability to do on a consistent basis. And it leads us to compare. It leads us to lack contentment in our relationships. You need to understand that many of your deepest relational tensions are because you're depending on someone to fill a need that only God can fill. Your relational tensions stem from you depending on something to or someone to be more than they were created to be. You're depending on your your wife to compensate for your uncommunicated insecurities. You're asking your husband to validate your identity and your purpose. You're asking your job to to fulfill you in a way that gives you peace and and passion and and just this, this feeling of purpose in your life. And you're asking your job to fulfill that for you. Some of us are asking our kids to live up to a reputation that just makes us look better. Like we we just put this unfair weight and dependence on people and things that just cannot handle that. But God can. And the root of some of your comparison, when you compare your relationships, when you compare with how one person in the relationship handles this and how the other one, it's stemming from your dependence. We have to get back to this place, understanding that there are holes within our lives that were only meant to be filled by God. That our spouse, that our family, that our friends, that our jobs, that our hobbies, that all of these things come alongside to help, but they weren't ever meant to fill it all. That hole was meant for God. And God alone can consistently fill it. You may find a miraculous husband or a wife who can fill that hole for years, but eventually they're going to just collapse underneath the weight of it. They weren't meant to carry all of that. 
God was. God was. So we have to evaluate our dependence. So here's the wrap up. Contentment is found by fixing our focus, by increasing our gratitude, and by determining our dependence. Contentment is found in the ways that we we focus in on the right things rather than our feelings, that we increase our gratitude rather than being driven by this achievement mentality and by determining our dependence rather than asking people around us to handle something that only God could. As I read back over Proverbs chapter five, if you replace the word immoral woman with the word comparison, it's a very interesting truth that we need to see. And I want to read this to you as we close up. Verse three, for the lips of comparison are as sweet as honey and its mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, comparison is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. It leads down to death. Its steps lead straight to the grave. For comparison cares nothing about the path to life but instead staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. Comparison is the enemy of your contentment. But God can bring this contentment in our lives that will change things forever. Let's pray. Father God, as we reflect on our own lives and we we look at the impact that comparison has had I pray that you would just reveal those areas where we can accept where we are in this moment and find happiness and peace and joy and contentment even in the midst of it. Lord, that you would help us paint and find this picture of the future that you're leading us to that we can be grateful for before it's even here, that we're driven by this heart of gratitude for what you've given us and what you're going to do in our lives this gratitude that will silence the lies of comparison, this dependence that's on you rather than other people and other things. And God, I pray that you would help us lock our eyes in, that the light that we take in through our eyes, our focus, that it would legitimately be light and not darkness disguised. Lord, open our eyes and help our focus and our attention be on those things that are true and honorable and pure and right and lovely and can be used to praise you. God, we pray that as you do this, that we would see the contentment begin to rise in our lives and the comparison fade out. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.